0: Hey, it's James from Royal Credit Union's Money Donuts podcast. We're talking about a word that scares a lot of people. It's fraud. This individual, they were bombarding that phone so much that the person got a new phone number. There was a note, a sticky note on the outside of their door saying, what is your new phone number? What? So they hired the scammer hired someone on Craigslist to place that note there. Listen to Money Donuts on your favorite podcast platform or watch full videos at rcu.org slash podcast.
1: We're without Minnesota Wild Hockey for the next two weeks. So, how do the Wild look heading into the bye week and All Star break? We check it out and check in with Anthony Walsh, who is doing everything he can to make sure hockey is indeed for everybody. As always, we're created by New Voice Studios, presented by Soda Stick, brought to you by Talk North, Grain Belt, Jim Beam, and Royal Credit Union. This is season four, episode 161. Celebrate your favorite Minnesota sports teams and moments with SodaStick.com. Relive the Met Center chairs, the Metrodome push, and so much more with unique and quality garb found only at SodaStick. Don't forget to add code Beauties at checkout for 15% off all of your purchases.
2: At Jim Beam, they know the importance of tradition. Like chanting, let's play hockey prior to the start of each game or playing the state of hockey anthem after a wild win. This season, raise one to your fan family with the bourbon that invites us all to come as friends and leave as family. Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey, the official bourbon whiskey partner of the Minnesota Wild and XL Energy Center. Drink smart, Jim Beam Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2021, James B. Beam Distilling Company, Incorporated, Clermont, Kentucky.
1: hello everybody what's up bardown Beauties episode 161 I'm Jesse Pierce writer for nhL.com and basically in your face anywhere I can Kirsten is in your face on the big screen at all Minnesota Wild home games uh Kirsten what's going on how are we today I am tired but
2: a good tired I should be just wired actually this morning coming off that Minnesota Wild overtime win as of when we are recording tonight or today I'm getting all sorts of mixed up now, Friday. That was, that was a good game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm. Very entertaining
1: all throughout chef's kiss. Certainly Minnesota back in a playoff spot. They do have one more game before you will be listening to this hosting Buffalo on hockey day, Minnesota. Let's start there. Shout out to white bear Lake. For Hockey Day, I'm really happy, Kirsten, that the freezing cold temperatures decided to come in right in time for Hockey Day and the weekend. Like, I don't know if I had enough uh, hand warmers, feet warmers. Shout out to Minnesota Lottery for hooking the teams up with uh, some choppers. Can't go wrong with some choppers. Fantastic Minnesota marketing right there. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, how did you stay warm out at Hockey Day this weekend?
2: Man, um, built different in Minnesota. That's for (laughs) sure. So we're going to start there, but it's just funny how the weather always seems to want to show the authentic side of Minnesota every year for hockey day. I mean, we can go look at years past hockey days, like but let's just take a look at like last year's, for example, when I was there, I was sta- sitting in the stands, snowstorm just coming mm. down. I'm covered in snow sitting yeah. out there for five minutes. So we had a snowstorm in Mankato last year. This year, just bitter cold, right when hockey day is getting started. But yeah, just bundle up lots of layers, hats, the little fire pits that they have there too. Those yes
1: they do come in handy. So again, shout out to white bear Lake, uh, the Minnesota wild. They have those two games again, as we'd mentioned before heading into their break their bye week. Um, you know, let's go back to those games. We're seeing healthy scratches though, more and more from Dean Epson sending a message to veteran players like Matt Dumba, which yes, deserve to be, deserved to be benched. At least one game two was kind of iffy to me. Um, and then Ryan Hartman, a scratch as well for some terrible penalties. Also deserved to be scratched, but that's something I don't think you see very often in the National Hockey League, where you're going to pull out a guy from your lineup who is known to the team, known to the fans, knows his role. I mean, Ryan Hartman last year was a huge part of the success of this Minnesota Wild team, and again, he deserved his benching. He told us that, you know, if if he were the coach, he would do the same thing. And again, I think message received. But do you see more of this coming from Dean Epson down the line? If players are not playing up to par that they will take a seat?
2: A hundred and fifty percent. And I'm here for it, honestly. If you are not playing up to the standard you should be, you should sit a game. So I love that there's kind of no mercy and they don't care how long you've been there what you've done in the past, if what you are doing in the present is not showing what you are capable of doing, yeah, you should sit a game. Uh, Ryan Hartman, I loved what he said, where when he got news that he was scratched, he's like message received. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. And just kind of like reiterated that if, you know, shoes were flipped, rolls were flipped, that he would do the same thing if he were Dean Evison with all the penalties that he has been taking. So there's that. But I think we started to really see this in the Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi era Parisi when he was getting healthy scratched all the time when I don't think he had like ever been a healthy scratch before once in New Jersey. I think it was. Yeah. But with the wilds, not, I don't think we ever saw that here. So I think that was kind of the first glimpse of what it was going to be like with Bill Guerin as general manager, Dean Evason on the bench. And I love it again. I'm here for it.
1: Well, and I mean, you can look at Mason Shaw obviously doesn't like to be healthy scratched either. Right. And I think Bill Guerin has told me before for various articles that we're trying to win each night. Like that's the goal. If you can't help us win that night, then you don't play. And I mean, I think it's a very fair approach. It's just, it's funny. Cause I think at the NHL level, you don't see it. And you're just so taken aback by it, like, oh my gosh, this name is not playing in the hockey game. Well, he sucked the last game. Why would he play in the hockey game? And as Dean Ebsen said of Hartman, he hurt the team with those penalties. You know, that is a problem. You can't hurt the team, especially at this juncture of the year. Kirsten right now, the standings very volatile. Uh, you're seeing Minnesota bounce in, bounce out. How important important and crucial is it going to be when they return from this bye week and then obviously you've got the all-star break in there as well to just really buckle down, get the points, no matter how you do it.
2: It's, it's huge. I mean, especially coming off the all-star break, like we had talked about episodes past, that is really when you start to see which teams are for real, which teams are going to make it and which teams aren't and I said this earlier this past week, I'm concerned about where the wild are. Like, this is the point where I'm like, I'm sounding the alarm when you lose three straight. Granted, it was a hard road trip. They were playing some really good teams, So I don't want to discredit them for that, but you just cannot lose three straight games, especially when right now you are kind of on the bubble. You're bouncing in and out of a playoff position. And even that flyers game, I was concerned for a little while there. It was so back and forth and you're playing the Flyers and you could just feel it and we can get into more detail. But the start of that game kicking off with Nick Delorier, familiar face Mm -hmm. to Wild fans and Ryan Reeves just dropping the mitts, getting all the energy going in the building on the bench. You just knew the Wild felt like they needed to win that game. The urgency was there right from the get go. And so just moving forward, you need to bring that every single night. There is really almost no wiggle room to have nights where you just are completely not playing to your standard.
1: Obviously that Philly game fresh in our minds, because we are recording this on a Friday, following that Philadelphia, win that snapped that three game losing streak from Minnesota, I do need to point out, can we just laugh about Travis uh Kakenny, who not only was mobbed by Jordan Greenway, Marcus Fellino, and Jules Ericksonek, somehow Minnesota comes out with a power play out of that. And then he gets absolutely embarrassed by Matt Zuccarello for the overtime winner. Uh Travis is a very good player too. He's been a huge part of the turnaround there in Philadelphia, but I had to laugh at that. Like I'm like, you not only just got Absolutely buried by three of the biggest players on the wild. <laughs> then little Matt Zuccarello deeks you out and wins the game as well. Rough night for uh, Travis there.
2: Yeah. A tough night to be Travis. Um, but I can't say his last thing... name. I'm just
1: going to call it out. That's why I can't. I just yeah. I'm going to Trav. say
2: Travis too, because it seemed like his last name was hard to pronounce. And I just don't know if I have that kind of energy <laughs> on this Friday morning coming off of an overtime game. Cook Nanny. Uh, Nanny. Kenny. Cocnini, Cocnini, Connect, Connect, I think it's Connect, oh, Connect, I can say that easy. Yeah. Um, but another thing we need to talk about it was fight night <laughs> in St. Paul mm-hmm. Thursday. Oh my gosh. So we talked about first, just br- maybe two minutes into the game, Nick Delorier, Ryan Reeves, drop in the mitts, center ice. I was, I saw that happening and I was like, it's happening. It's here. We're seeing a big Ryan Reeves fight and uh, Nick Delorier. Of anyone too. So man. that was just exciting. But then not only that, about two minutes later, another fight, Mason Shaw. I feel like he is trying to be quite the enforcer and it surprises me a little bit, but he's little I just guy, see he's a little pitbull. He is. And I, I love that from him. He's just more, one of the more unexpected players that I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh yeah, he's going to go up and start a fight here, but he mm-hmm. has. And I love that for him. Um, And then you see Marcus Felino getting in the action. So three fights in that first period alone, total of like what, four fights throughout the whole night. Again, you just saw the urgency with the wild. They really were knowing they needed that win, getting the energy on the
1: ice in the crowd. It was a fun night too. just some good old fashioned hockey. It was very old fa- and they needed that spark for whatever reason, again and again, losing is naturally going to take some of the wind out of your sails, but they've just lost a step. Like they just kind of are very flat again, similar to how they were playing before Ryan Reeves was, uh, was added to the roster. So it does. It makes you wonder with the trade deadline approaching is a trade truly going to happen because it might need that. It was funny. I asked, uh, both Nick Delorier and Marcus Foligno, had they ever been a part of something where it was literally like fight after fight after like the puck, I mean, it slows the game down tremendously because the puck drops and then they go. And, Nick DeLore said he'd done it a couple times during preseason, but had never actually seen it happen during the game. And Marcus Felino said, well, actually me and Nick DeLore, when we were in Buffalo together, did that quite a bit because we sucked in Buffalo and that's all we could really do. And I had to have a good chuckle about that. Cause that makes all the sense in the world. Um, again, just a fun game. Do you think that that this physical play that we finally saw out of Minnesota finally saw out of Ryan Reeves a little bit, not to say that they've been timid necessarily but this was the most physical game you've seen them play fights aside. I mean, just the checking and the hits and the block shots. I mean, it was a very gritty grinding game for Minnesota and for Philly. And that's the kind of opponent Philly is certainly, but do you think this is kind of what we are going to see more from Minnesota down the road? Personally, I've been begging for this because as I've mentioned, this isn't the super skilled team that they think they were last year. That was a That was a mirage, if you will. They are a gritty grinding team and that's how they have to play in order to get wins. Do you think that they kind of finally found that against the flyers and that might be their new, uh, MO moving forward?
2: I feel like they had to find it when you know, you don't, when you know, you're not the same skilled team that you were last season, something's got to give, you got to find another way to really rise up and add a new element to your game. So I think this grittiness, I think that's kind of the identity too, that this team has been building and finding themselves having as the seasons progressed in the words of Jesse Pierce lunch pail players yeah one of your headlines um wild.com Jesse Pierce check her her out I will plug her um but no I just think it's a gritty team these are guys that are gonna go to work night in night out so I think you really have to rise up in a different way. And also I know we've given Matt Dumba a hard time on this podcast time and time again, as well as the whole entire Minnesota wild fan base last night, I will say against the flyers. I saw a number of instances where Matt Dumba was really using his body blocking some tough shots. So that was huge. And I think we need to continue to see that as well. Just the not so glamorous plays, not Mm -hmm. saying that the guys weren't doing that before, but I just really saw it a lot more in that game
1: against the flyers. And Matt Boldy, speaking of mats, if you will, he is kind of finally starting to shoot the puck more, which is something after he signed that seven-year contract extension for $49 million. Uh, that's something that Dean Evson and Bill Garen had said, like, we just would like to see him shoot. It's fantastic that he's not selfish. It's fantastic that he's looking for the pass. But again, that has been the problem with this Minnesota offense. The lack of the offense is because they're looking to pass instead of to shoot. The more pucks you get on net, the better opportunity you have to score. That is just facts, right? Wayne Gretzky, 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Like that whole thing. There's, there's 100 quotes, guys. 100 quotes about it. And for whatever reason, Minnesota just doesn't believe it. They're like, oh, we'll just dipsy doodle. We'll cycle around, Um, you know, final topic. I want to touch on Kirsten. What do you think needs to happen? And again, Matt Zuccarello, a part of that overtime goal, obviously that's a three on three situation. um, And he mixed in with the power play goal as well. And you're just not seeing as much production from your top line. Why do you think that is, Um, you know, what do you think needs to change there? Or is it just puck luck? Because I will say. I do kind of, I hate the idea of puck luck because I think you make your own luck. truly this year. Minnesota has been getting some rough bounces, not only in their net, but also just things that normally might swing their way into the opposing net not happening this year. Like there are just some tough things where you're like, that was a weird bounce. That was this, and it works against Minnesota. So I think that's probably a factor, but why do you think the first line of Kirill Kaprizov, Sam Steele, and Matt Zuccarello has kind of dropped back and been silent thus far?
2: Well, I could take words out of all of the Twitter GM's mouths and say, we need a true number one center. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like I, we, how long have we been hearing that? It's been at least 12 years, years. 12 years. Okay. We need to just get over that. We need to put it behind us and look at what we have and figure out how to make it work. I do like Sam Steele on the top line. I think, and you know, this kind of goes back to a couple episodes ago. Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov really just looking for each other out on the ice. I think they need to make, I don't know, maybe learn to trust more of their line. So such as Sam Steele, find him on the ice too and see like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to trust Sam that he can make a big play here too. So I don't know. I think that's part of it. I think Kirill Zuki, I think they need to look for more than just each other out there. Um, Also too, I think just, I think. Other teams have them figured out as well. Just knowing Kirill Kaprizov Mm -hmm. is the star on this team, really teaming up on him out on the ice, making sure he's covered. And I mean, Kirill is a skilled player. He can figure that out too, to get out of those situations and get on the board. Um, I also think they're probably, and granted, when you have the contract that you do, you need to rise to the occasion. And Kirill Kaprizov has earned his contract But I just think maybe a little bit more of the pressure needs to be taken off of just Kirill. We need to see more scoring than just from Kirill. And I know that's been an issue all season long with this team too, especially the five on five scoring. So I think it's a mix of a lot of different things, but I think we really just need to get rid of the idea that we need a true number one center. If we can accumulate that and find it down the road, that would be great. But I just think people are so hyper fixated on that, that, that takes away from what we do have and what we can do with what we have.
1: I have an idea to entertain briefly in the Philadelphia game. We saw Matt Boldy playing center between Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Now Matt Boldy, a natural winger played center, uh, at Boston college. He also played center with the NTDP a little bit at various international tournaments. So he's very capable, of center. I don't have stats as far as what his draws might look like, but I liked him between Kapril Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Now that's putting a lot of talent kind of up on one line so that it could be interesting. I don't know if something that Dean would ever explore. I don't know if Matt is comfortable at the center position in the NHL level yet. That's obviously a very tough position to be in, but I think it's happened. Noah Cates of Stillwater has transitioned from wing over to center for the Flyers. Um, but I think, I really liked it and I kind of want to see it. And I think somebody tweeted at me last night saying, you know, all this time we've been looking for an elite center for Matt Boldy. Maybe he's the center that needs to be between Kirill and Zuki. And I, I don't hate it. And no, I think Sam Steele has done fine there. I think everybody does okay there for the most part, a little bit, because again, those two players are going to make you look fantastic. And I don't know if Boldy's the answer, but I don't, why not? You know, I don't hate trying it.
2: I think that's a very interesting point. I haven't really thought of that myself. I do worry if you do keep Boldy on that top line, the secondary scoring from the other lines, Mm -hmm. what happens there? It's been a struggle throughout the season. You need more than just your top line producing. So it does make me nervous that we won't be seeing that or fixing that problem
1: if Boldy gets moved up to top line center. Valid point, valid point. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Would love to start that discussion again. I just, just interested in just throwing things at the wall. Like I tend to do, uh, let us know in the comments below, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, Anthony Walsh is going to talk all about all the good that he is doing to spread the word, uh, that hockey truly is for everyone, getting new people engaged into the game. Uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. So stay tuned for that. But before we take a break. Here's our Let's Play Hockey High School Hockey Hot Take. What a weekend of hockey as we celebrated Hockey Day Minnesota in White Bear Lake. While Hockey Day focuses on all aspects of hockey in Minnesota, the main caveat is, of course, high school hockey. This past week, boys' double-A hockey got a little bit more muddy. Number one, just two weeks ago, Wyzetta is now winless in their last four games, including a one to zero loss to unranked Buffalo. Thanks to an outstanding performance by Buffalo junior netminder, Max Varner, who stopped 44 shots unranked Hill Murray which sounds weird to say defeated number nine white bear lake as the featured double a game on hockey day. The pioneers rallied from a two, one deficit for the three, two overtime victory. The bears pioneers rivalry is one of the biggest in Minnesota high school hockey. And you can almost guarantee that both will be battling each other. Come section time. Edina is emerging having gone 13, one and one in their last 15 games, including a five, three win over Wayzata last week. They will take on Hill Murray in their annual home and home series this coming Friday and Saturday. Top ranked Minnetonka continues to cruise and is now 17 2 after defeating number 11 Lakeville South 5 2. The Skippers will take on number 2 Wyzetta this Thursday in an I 494 rematch after Wyzetta won their first meeting 3 1. In other games between ranked squads, we had more upsets galore proving that any top 20 team in class AA can beat anyone on any given night. Number 17 Centennial beat number four Maple Grove in a seven to six overtime thriller. Senior forward Brock Carl's netted the game winner for Centennial. Number 10 Benilde St. Margaret's also took down number four Chanassen four to one. Number 19 Eastview upset number six Creighton Durham Hall four to two. The Raiders also lost three to two to unranked Chaska. Number eight Andover has now won seven in a row and likely will make a leap in the rankings. Senior forward Gavin Thornton became the school's all-time leading scorer this week with a six point performance in their win over Coon Rapids. He has 185 career points, including 57 this season in class. A boys, it's a little bit more clear who the top teams are. We watched number two Hermantown defeat number four Matamidi in a game that was a lot closer than the six three final indicated. Number one, Warrow continues its domination and remains undefeated after a 4-2 win over AA Moorhead. It was the Warriors' fifth win against a Double-A team this season. Number three, Orno continues to play well, but will face some tough competition down the stretch with five games against AA teams and a clash with Hermantown on Wednesday. These top four teams have been the top four for much of the season, and it doesn't look like that's going to change. As for the rest of the field, one could flip a coin as they could match up much like Double-A teams do. Again, once section finals begin, anything can happen in Class A, but it would be shocking if these top four player teams are not playing in the section final as favorites to head to the X in March. Another Class A note, Prairie Center's Eli Fletcher cracked the top 10 all-time on goals scored after a four-goal performance on Friday, despite battling food poisoning. He added another tally Saturday and now has 140 career goals, surpassing Little Falls and former St. Cloud standout Jared Fessler, who had 136, and former Wadena Deer Creek Standout Jeremy Erickson, who had 137. Next on the list are former Red Wing great and NHLer Johnny Poole, who had 144, and former Laverne standout Chas Mesrud, who finished his storied career with 148. He is now a junior at a Division one union college the all-time leader. That would be Ben Hanowski of little falls with 196 career goals. That's it for your let's play hockey report for this week. Don't forget the let's play hockey expo is coming up March 10th and 11th at the river center in St. Paul. The buttes will be out there. Make sure you swing by plus plenty of fantastic vendors at the let's play hockey expo. Lots of exciting news upcoming about the event. So stay tuned. And we hope to see you there for the greatest show on ice. The Minnesota boys state high school hockey tournament. Have a good one. Bye. Joining us now, one of Edina's finest, the one person I kind of, okay, support out of Edina, I suppose, but an all-around fantastic human being, despite the chirp he just threw at me before we recorded this, Anthony (laughs) Walsh. Anthony, what's going on?
0: Hey, uh, Jesse, how's it going? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today.
1: Oh, of course. Go ahead. Share the chirp. Let's just get it out of the way. We almost ended this podcast. It wasn't happening. Please, you two may relay what had just happened before we hit record.
0: Well, I think you you actually started the whole conversation, Jesse. You, you chirped Kirsten first.
1: I did. I chirped Kirsten's skating. I said, "Well, Kirsten can't skate," and then Anthony rebutted.
0: Uh, Jesse cannot skate either. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, you got to be able to take it if you're going to throw it. So, you know how that goes.
2: That is, it's true. pretty bad if you're grouping Jesse into my skating ability category because if you've seen the videos of me skating, like. Your ankles will hurt just watching. no <laughs> <So, laughs>
1: it is true. Her skates are too big for her, too, which I think is a large part of the problem.
2: And I have flat feet. that's arguably a much bigger problem than my skates being too big.
0: Well, and we have to know like do you wear socks or not in your skates like that was a <laughs> oh, big the I big am not a monster
2: i I am not a monster. I wear skates. Or I, I mean, obviously I wear skates. I wear socks. I wear socks. It's I, It's the feeling. It's the sweatiness when you don't. Like I
1: can't do it. Socks mm-hmm. are a must. I mean, socks this... are a
0: must. Okay, okay, I can cleared... check it out. I cleared out.
1: <laughs> cleared the air, Anthony. Obviously, do you want to teach us how to skate then?
0: You, you've. Got I was actually going to suggest. Why don't we have a whole camp together? We can all teach each other how to skate. We can have uh, blue line. The blue line. You know quick starts all that kind of stuff and really teach to teach everybody how to you know do a little bit here and there so I would I would love to uh, do that absolutely (laughs) really take us to
2: Edina's finest rink
0: yeah yeah you know Brainmar. they uh we we voted yes so it's getting a (laughs) you know a little bit of a revamp so yeah come to Edina's finest and uh you know maybe a couple months from now when it's a little bit more revamped but uh, oh my gosh absolutely Uh, We'll we'll have it start there and then we'll shift around Minnesota just because you know how people feel about Edina, as you had mentioned earlier. So you (laughs) want to share the love.
1: Exactly. You had mentioned camps, Anthony. One thing that I'm super excited about what you're doing is these summer camps. Tell everybody a little bit about what your vision is for it and your goal behind it and then lead in to the book that you also came out with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the summer camp is uh, July 16th, I'm sorry, July 13th through 16th at St. Cloud State, university and the hockey for everybody camp. And the idea behind it is just to get people from all walks of life of, of hockey and get us all under one roof and be able to talk about things that are pertinent to, you know, this success of growing the game, et cetera. So on top of that, also leadership and life after hockey, you know, just things like that. Um empowerment, right? Having people from all walks of life in the game come in and talk to all these, you know, young kids, adults, anybody that wants to be involved. And so far, um, you, you know, people from the Byb community. Blind hockey um is really, you know, involved and um a lot of other players from there. So we're really excited just to kind of see what it is. It's the first of its kind kind of in this area at, at least, and uh, you know, want to continue that uh as as well, you know, in years, you know, going by as well. But um the inaugural year, uh, a lot of fun and just you know, had the, it come to mind because we just need people to talk and you know, have these conversations. And um, you had mentioned in the book as well and I had written Hockey for Everybody, the first book, just to kind of get the conversation going, and that's here. And then the second one, uh, Hockey for Everybody, Anthony goes to camp, is here as well. (laughs) And uh, that's awesome, available, um, you know, everywhere. And um, it's kind of this, you know, it follows up, and uh, Anthony and Jason are at summer camp, and, um, you know, they're kind of building out a friendship, you know, reconciliation, redemption, right? What does that look like? And how do you go from a, you know, tough situation, a bad situation, to a very good one? And, um, you know, they become, you know, quite good friends. And I don't know if I'm spoiling that there, but there are a little <laughs> bit of uh, surprises here and there. So I do recommend everybody check it out.
2: I think that's so awesome. And just how the two tie in together, what called you to want to write this book?
0: So going back, um, I was in Washington, D.C. in 2020. Um, I was living there. I was working for Senator Heidi Heitkamp at one point, and I was going to law school uh, after the election season had happened there. I was working at a think tank and and everything slowed down, and I was living in a box in Washington, DC, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, huh, you know, this is crazy. Um, a lot of stuff happened in Minneapolis, so there was the murder of George Floyd, and um, that occurred. And so, in the pandemic, George Floyd, everybody was riled up, and I saw a lot of violence and hate in the community that I grew up in, and um, I really wanted to find a way to quell that, and so I uh, just kind of felt really compelled. And I transferred to law school to Mitchell Hamlin. Um, That's in St. Paul, I'm there now, I'll be graduating in the spring, so I'm really excited about that, but in that kind of transition in my life, um, you know, really just wanting to be that change that I was kind of, you know, wanting to see and figuring out a way to do that, I reverted back to my roots, and being from Minnesota, playing hockey, all that kind of stuff, it just kind of came to me like, well, wait a minute, you know, let me try to weave some of my personal experiences that I've had into a book and a children's book, because, um, you know, you have to be taught to you know, go ahead and, you know, discriminate against people, et cetera, right, like, those are things that kids, right, kids are not inherently like that, kids are, you know, beautiful, you know, minds, all these kind of things, they want to love everybody, Um, and then somewhere along the line, those kind of things change, so, yeah, part of that was, you know, a children's book to go ahead and, um you know, teach kids how to love instead of hate, and then from there, um, that's how it all really rolled out, so just, again, using personal experiences and um, using a children's book hockey um, as the state of hockey right experiences that I could kind of pull from as well is how that all came about and then the second book just because um, you know kind of again it's a beautiful story but I you know there's more to that right there's redemption there's reconciliation how do you move forward from uh, as I kind of said earlier like a bad situation and make it a really good situation so that's what this is about <clears throat>
1: it's just I admire you so much Anthony I know I give you a hard time once in a while because that's what we got to do Uh, But I truly do because you have taken such action. I see you out at all these different events that I'm covering too. I know you're good buddies with Meredith Lang, who is equally as active in trying to make hockey for everybody across. What a great gal and uh, fantastic little girls there. I want to share a story with you. And I wanted to wait until the podcast to share it with you. Um, I got a DM the other day from an Egan single white mom who has a black son and she's got majority majority custody and he's playing hockey. And apparently his dad told him that hockey is for white people. And it just absolutely infuriated her. And she went out and bought your book for him. So hopefully that just kind of reminds him. I'm trying to work with, uh, I let her know like, Hey, watch Matt Dumba, watch Reeves, watch, you know, Jordan Greenway out there, just with the wild. Like there are so many more examples, but the thing that really got to me too, was like, it's still out there. That stigma that it is for white people, quote unquote, is still there. How do we, I mean, is it just having more of these conversations, do you think? Or what else needs to be done? And of course, we're never going to completely eradicate it, unfortunately. That's the world we live in, right? But what else can be done to really Get it through people's minds. Like, first of all, don't say those things. Just don't say that shit. Like, that's ridiculous. But also just to really prove that it is for everybody. It's a sport that we want to welcome everybody, whether you are black, whether you are blind. I love that aspect, too. Um, You know, any ability, any person you are, it is for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's a... That's a tough question, ultimately, right? Um, you know, how do we change it? But I do think that educating youth and how to love instead of hate, right, is one big deal there. Um, that's one way. I think that uh, teaching people, uh, I, I believe there's three barriers, right? There is a barrier of, oh, it's a white sport or, um, you know, it's for, not for people of color. Um, that's one barrier. There's also the uh, money barrier, right? It's an expensive sport. Now, that's also kind of changing. There's organizations out there that are, you know, trying to, make it more affordable for people but then there's also the educational barrier and that's kind of like oh okay like you know how do I find my way to belong in the community so um you know where are the people that are um you know like me that are already here that can you know help me you know uh, find skating um you know find skating coaches find skate sharpening where the outdoor rings um you know how much should I be paying for a stick what's a good stick what's a bad stick right I mean that kind of stuff like I know that some of us we grow up in this world so our aunts our uncles our cousins everybody involved in hockey right we can pick up the phone and our first you know 100 contacts are people that can help us out there but not everybody can do that so I mean like allowing people that don't have those kind of resources then to have those I think will also move that ball forward so um you know going into communities and um a lot of the skates that we do are great to have um week, you know week programs all that kind of stuff but I do think maybe something you know longer lasting and you know that costs Mm -hmm. money and all that kind of stuff and you know interest and coaching and you know but Once we kind of get that going, I think that'll be another way to get people involved is uh, really because once you see, I think about it even now, the people that are, you know, two, three years older than me, um, you know, four years older than me, I still kind of look at them as like, you know, being legends and everything just because I saw them growing up and, you know, playing the sports and doing all those kind of things. So if we can get some of these younger people seeing the people that represent them in the sport of hockey um, you know, getting in the games, you know, high school games, college games, uh, pro games, right, et cetera. But like, kind of, again, as you touched, you know, earlier, like, you know, pointing out those players that are like, hey, look, you know, look at this guy, look at that guy, right? That could be you. I do think that's a way to uh, move the ball forward, but it will take consistent effort. It's going to take, um, you know, actual effort from people that are uh, allyship, right? Allyship is really a big deal about it. So, you know, people that are in these spaces now that have a voice um, like yourselves, right? You know, using your voice and your platform. To also, move that forward. So, I encourage, I challenge anybody, right, um, you know, to do that. And sometimes it's as simple as making a tweet or as simple as, uh, you know, just lifting up something that you're seeing. But um, yeah, you know, doing those small things, right? Because once you do those small things over time, it becomes something very big. So, I guess that's probably my, my recommendation.
2: And then on a personal note too, I'm curious from your perspective, you mentioned earlier in this podcast too how a lot of the work you were done has been based on personal experiences that you've had in the past. So to where you are now being a voice and a mentor to some of these younger players, what has it been like for you to kind of be that voice that maybe you wanted or just being another person for people to look up to from when you, when you were younger?
0: Uh, great question. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's been an honor. I'm incredibly grateful to have this opportunity and, um, you know, the struggles that I went through, right. If, um, you're able to help one kid, two kids, three kids, right. Just get through, you know, some of those things and everything really is worth it in that sense. I think having the confidence to do it, right. To speak out is something as well, the courage to do it. Um, it's not always been easy. Um, so that's one thing as well as I encourage people to just kind of I'm, um, you know, it's, courage is not having no fear, but courage is having that fear and moving forward despite that fear. So I'm um, just doing those kind of things, and I'm doing a lot of reading, right? Doing a lot of things that keep my brain active and keep my brain, um, you know, developing. I think is really big as well. So it gives you those that opportunity to, um, you know, have new ideas, spark new ideas, um, you know, bring them to the community that you're a part of, and and new ways to help. So I mean, I just think that that's probably what I would, um, you know, close that question out with is. It's, it's been an honor. Um, I'm really grateful for it. And I think anybody could, you know, be this person, right. Everybody has a story, everybody's voice matters. Um, and, you know, speak out and it's not always, again, as simple as just speaking out, but I tell you that, um, you know, it feels really, uh, empowering to do that. Right. If you keep this kind of stuff in, you know, all the time, right. It's an eat away at you. So, I mean, it's not a way of, uh, you know, it's kind of a way of, again, getting that off your chest and letting people know that, Hey, it's okay to, you know, have these conversations, because somebody else is having that problem. I think we learn a lot about that a lot. And anytime they say, don't be afraid to ask a question, because somebody else probably has that question, right? So if you're having a problem, somebody else is probably having that problem. So if you're going to take it upon yourself to try and find a way to fix it, you know, you'll potentially make a lot of other people, um, you know, very happy as well. So that's kind of the idea behind it.
1: Well, and I always encourage people to, to have, it's not supposed to be an easy conversation when you're talking about race and, and things like that. It is hard and it is uncomfortable, but that's okay. You need to be able to talk and listen and work through it together. I think that's so important. I think people get, you know, white people, especially get so nervous because they don't want to be branded or labeled as, as anything But you can have a conversation and just have a conversation about that and be willing to help and be willing to learn. Because on the same side where you had mentioned educating people in maybe the black and biopic communities about hockey, white people also need to educate themselves and and put themselves in those shoes sometimes, I think. And, you know, really to to be a true ally, stand up and, and take action. You had mentioned education, and it's something that got me thinking. I never realized this. Hockey, especially in Minnesota, has to be very intimidating for a lot of people who have lived outside the hockey sphere. A lot of people maybe that are not white. Is that probably true? Just, I mean, from the rules down below, I can't imagine going to a squirt game for the first time and just feeling so overwhelmed. Is that probably pretty accurate what some people in, in other cultures might be feeling?
0: Yeah, and, uh, and I can uh, speak, you speak know, fully for, for everybody in that sense, but I, I definitely can speak. the position of being you know somebody that is not highly represented in the rink and walking in and what that feels like sometimes and um, i mean i'm more used to it now just because i've i've been in rinks my entire life but i have had friends now um who are people of color and who have come to rinks and are you know seen the stuff that i do and are supporting it and they're like oh you know wow this is um you know we were the only people there that um were black or we're the only people there that you know weren't white all that kind of stuff and it's like yeah you know this is why you know we're doing this kind of work to you know be present and represent so that we can the numbers up and um you know move that forward because honestly right that's that's how you build strong communities and um i go into classrooms a lot and i do um you know reading and you know we talk about these kind of things and something i always kind of talk about is um you know a strong economy is diverse right a strong diet is diverse right you know like all these kind of right that diversity only brings strength to uh to a situation so why wouldn't we want to have that in our you know, workspace or in our friendship space, all that kind of stuff, right. It only makes us more perspective as human beings. And uh, so kind of, again, to have that conversation from a young age, right. It might not always be easy. Um, In fact, it is quite difficult, but you got to start somewhere and it gets easier as as you have it more often.
1: We all want to bitch and moan that nobody pays attention to hockey. Well then quit shutting it off to people, let everyone come play and enjoy it. And Anthony, I got to tell you, you are busier than me or Kirsten combined. <laughs> I think I don't know how you have all of the time to do all of your advocating and skating and lawyering. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, you'll be my. What kind of law are we studying?
0: So right now um, I'm looking at adoption law. Uh, so that's kind of a big part of my life as well, and just mm-hmm. you know being able to help people that have questions around that, and I'm potentially finding biological family or you know trying to find um, their biological or their their birth. Documents, so their original birth certificates, stuff like that, and you know, going down that route. So, I had um, found my biological family through a, a process, uh, and it was you know a long process. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for that. And I talk with my biological family uh, frequently and all that kind of stuff now. And so, to be able to have that is an incredible thing that everybody wants that. So, I don't want to push that on people that you know that's something that you need to have, but it is great to have. And if you want that, I want to be able to help you, uh, find, you know, get that for yourself. So, that's kind of the route I'm going down.
1: You're awesome seriously i have to now take back every bad thing i've said about edina i just damn it man
0: <laughs> y'all are hard workers y'all inspire me so uh-huh. you, know, let's, you know keep up the good work and you know uh i i am avidly following and uh everything you do is awesome and again it's hilarious and no you guys can't skate so um you know we'll uh we'll definitely figure something out there we'll we'll, we'll... We'll get a lesson going.
2: We'll get. The I am clip. very much looking forward to that lesson. Um, sooner rather than later. <laughs> I don't think you know what you are signing up for. I'm gonna throw that out there.
0: No, y'all, y'all are talented. Trust me. If you, if you're here doing this, you're gonna take the skating really easily. So you yeah, know, I think that's... maybe five, five times on the ice, and we'll be, we'll be flying. We're gonna have Blatant our
1: whole lies
0: minor league team going, and exactly, it'll be awesome
1: um anthony let people know where they can purchase your book listen to your podcast too and then how can they sign up for your camp up in Kirsten's favorite area st cloud
0: yes so um you can buy my book right now on amazon uh, both of them you can just find the hockey's for everybody uh anthony charles walsh is uh, my author name that is my name but um just for full all that kind of stuff distinguish myself um yeah the camp is uh st cloud you can find that hockey for everybody camp.com and um, kind of, again, you can just Google my name with that and really encourage people to uh, go ahead and sign up there. It's really exciting. Um, again, just really a fun opportunity. A lot of people from around the country are going to come speak and um, all that kind of stuff as well. And the podcast is Hockey for Everybody podcast um, found through Youth Hockey Hub. And we have a lot of great uh, people come on there. Uh, I hope to have both of you as guests at some point. And uh, yeah, you can just find that again through Youth Hockey Hub and uh, Google my name or Hockey for Everybody podcast as well and uh thank you so much so uh, i look really forward to having y'all on uh you know putting it out there into the ether and Mm -hmm. uh, we will talk soon
1: maybe we'll do a skating update on the podcast that's what we yeah (laughs) follow our skating journey that's what the people want i think (laughs) anthony again you are a badass cake eater appreciate you taking the time keep up the good work you guys we're going to take another quick break we'll be right back thank you We're back. Shout out to Anthony, a fantastic human being. Always love catching up with him, checking in with him. I mean, he's the one good person to come out of Edina. Ha! Kidding. But, you know, not really. Anyway, let's get to this week's Up For Debate. You guys love this one. I always find it so interesting as to, like, what gets a lot of people going? This is by far, I think, our most popular, most talked about, most engaged up for debate. So thank you. Shout out to you guys. Uh, you know, we asked, what is the worst part of the previous three-game slump you saw from the Minnesota Wild? Was it the lack of offense? Was it the penalties? Or has it been the defense? A lot of you obviously wanted to say All three. Um, I got a lot of people really, I mean, it was kind of split. A ton of people thought the offense was the problem. A lot of people said penalties. A lot of people said defense now, naturally. Yes. All three play a factor in any losing streak. Uh, for me personally, Kirsten, I think it was the lack of production from the offense was the bigger problem. I mean, luckily you had uh goaltenders playing absolutely phenomenal during that streak. And again, that streak now over at this point, uh, but I think for me, the top one, that was a problem was the lack of offense. What do you think?
2: I mean, yeah, all three areas really have not been a shining point for the wild on this past road trip. Um, offense has been a concern, but I would say the penalties, um, I mean, Ryan Hartman getting sat for a reason being a huge factor, contributing to those penalties. And also too, when you are constantly going on the penalty kill that wears a team down. And so consistently doing that I think has really taken a toll on this team. So I'm going to go with the penalties.
1: I like it. That's fair. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who engaged in that. Thank you to everybody for listening to this week's episode of Bardom Beauties, uh, hosted on Talk North. Shout out to Talk North for featuring us on their network. Uh, shout out to Anthony Walsh for joining us talking hockey, as always. Uh, shout out to Soda Stick. Don't forget to use code Bardom Beauties for 15% off all your purchases at sodastick.com. Real Credit Union, less fee, more free. Jim Beam, cheers to you. And Grain Bell, we will be down in Red Wing for this next month live show Uh, more details to come on that on our social media channels be sure you're following us on all of our socials we are doing some fantastic tiktoks you guys i'm very proud of that very very proud of us kirsten i know you're still in the tiktok demographic there's something odd about being a 35 year old mom of three on tiktok sometimes but also not it's a great community i love it all in Uh, and mostly we get to make fun of kirsten skating so we're still taking people to teach her to skate if they'd like i need it i really do it's true We'll figure that out. So, again, you guys rock. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, have a fantastic week and go on. <laughs>